0: You're listening to What the Dev, the weekly podcast of ST Times. And now, here's Dave Rubenstein, Editor-in-Chief of ST
1: Times. Hello, everyone. Dave Rubenstein here, as you were told. Uh, Today's topic on the What the Dev podcast, we're going to be talking about incident response and what it means in today's world of highly complex applications and complex infrastructure, uh, where it fits in, what it means, uh, how important it is, what we should be looking at when we get alerted to things. Uh, so with me here today is John Egan. He is the co-founder and CEO of a company called Kentaba, which uh, is in this space. John, uh, thanks for being with us here today.
0: Thanks, David. Excited to be here.
1: Yeah. Uh, happy to have you with us. This is a hot topic for people because... Uh, you know, we hear all the time about people saying that they're inundated in alerts. They don't know what to make of them. Uh, sometimes they're right. Sometimes they're wrong. They don't know what to do. So in looking at this, especially in this complex world that we're in now, uh, wh- where does incident response actually fit into that whole complexity of uh, systems? We're talking about Kubernetes containers. We're talking about applications that are calling out to services that aren't, uh, uh, proprietary and things like that. So, how does that all uh, come together?
0: Yeah. So, so incident management really fits into your, you know, larger resiliency process inside of the organization. Um, different companies place it in different areas. We see it a lot of the time inside of SRE, you know, in DevOps practices um, at organizations like uh, maybe a Facebook, you know, or, or or a Netflix or some of the the larger fangs. You'll actually see it spread across the entire company. And it really fits into those moments uh, where you'd say something like task management kind of breaks down, right? We're not looking at things that we're planning out for projects in in months Uh, and alerting is insufficient. It's where you have a real time uh, critical situation that needs to be resolved by a team of people um, in a manner such that the same thing never happens again. Right, that's like how we sort of think about incident response, and it's a whole suite of things. We think of Kintaba, it's an incident response platform. Um, but as far as companies are concerned, and, and sort of where they inject it, uh, you know, I, I we believe it's a it's a company wide practice that everyone from sales to customer success to engineers should be practicing.
1: Excellent. So, is it as important in this as we hear about so many things? You want to catch things earlier when it's cheaper to fix and all this kind of stuff. So, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry, I didn't mean that.
0: To... No, I apologize. Um, yes, definitely. So you you know, the evolution of of incident management over the last, you know, five or six years has really been interesting in that we've started to move to a world where it's not just those situations that really force us into incident response, right? The the, the absolute fires where we've started to completely panic. Um, it's really starting to do what what you might refer to as as shift left, in that we're finding it super valuable to lower that barrier to where we say, okay, where are we declaring an incident? Not just what is a SEV1, what is a SEV2, what is a SEV3? What are these situations that could evolve into critical fires? How do we capture them? And then how do we respond to them in ways that we ultimately get the same type of learning out the other end of it as we would if we were responding to you know, like a, a fire across our entire user base? Mm-hmm.
1: So what what actually would be the signal to let you know that something is happening that could escalate to a catastrophic event as opposed to just something that would kind of just be hanging there and and not really too worrisome I mean how do you how do you identify that stuff
0: yeah. So, so in in most cases, you would define an incident severity by its customer impact, right? You, you at at Google inside of the SRE team, they have a, a really great saying, right, which is that the customer defines the severity, not not necessarily the organization. So, the traditional way to do this is is you're really defining your severity levels based on impact against your customer base. So, if you're a SaaS product, right, and and you have one user. You know who's impacted by a problem, and 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 it's something you can kind of manage over the course of an hour with open communication with them. You know, we might call that a step three, uh, depending on the type of incident that it is. Whereas, you know, your entire website goes down and everything's everything's on fire, no one can get at it, and the media is starting to report on it. You know, very clearly a step one. Yeah. Um, you know, drawing those lines is actually a really important step as you implement incident management. Um, products like ours, like Cantaba will actually help you with that. Will give you defaults for where we think the definition of a SEV1, SEV2, SEV3 can be. Um, but really sort of that's that's where you're making those definitions you know, within the organization.
1: Mm-hmm. Interesting. I know uh, before we came on the call, we were having a conversation earlier. Uh, and, and one of the topics that I thought that came up that was interesting to talk about uh, perhaps now is the metrics that you look for to see at these events as they're unfolding. Yeah, and and talking about why failure is good in many in many cases. So maybe you can elaborate a little on that.
0: Yeah. So so there's kind of a traditional metric set out there, which are all the sort of MTT stars, right? Like the the mean time to mean time to resolution, mean time to detection, mean time to you know remediation, which is slightly different than resolution. Um, and and what we're actually finding for a lot of organizations that are that are just coming into this space is those metrics can be pretty dangerous. Um, they can put you in a position where it's, it's value, you know, it's, it's perceived as a positive thing to not capture incidents because it keeps those metrics lower, right? Your Mm -hmm. desire to file an incident, to start that process, if you're inside of a a sub organization that's being measured by your MTTR is, is greatly reduced, which is ultimately not healthy for the organization, right? You want to capture incidents early and you want to be very honest about how long they take to close. and the nature of incidents, the fact that they tend to be black swan events, they tend to be unexpected, means they're very often not comparable to each other. So, so doing a mean against them is also pretty risky, right? If you have one outlier incident that runs for three days mm-hmm. and all of your other incidents ran for a couple of minutes, it's going to totally blow your mean out. Um, and suddenly that chart's going to look bad and if you're using that chart in a negative way which which you shouldn't be doing but a lot of companies do and right. you're you know punishing parts of your organization for having worse mTTRs, all of this creates a really negative feedback loop. Um, what we're actually finding is is better for organizations when they're when they're adopting incident management practices is they really want to look at the chart of incidents filed against different types of severities so different types of customer impact and what you want to see is you want to see an increase really across your SEV2s and your SEV3s, across your incidents that were caught early, right? You wanna see that number go up because a successful incident management process is actually going to expose more of your organization to the healthy processes of how are we responding, let's get everyone together, let's record keep that response and let's learn from it. And with an increase in those numbers, doing a better job of capturing things earlier in the cycle, you'll actually see a decrease then in your SEV1s, right? In your major catastrophic events that show up in the media that affect your entire customer base that you know put your entire brand potentially at risk and so we'll, we'll often find ourselves sort of making this counter uh intuitive statement to organizations and we'll say look you, you really want to see these numbers go up you want to see your total incident count increasing as much as possible in the early days because you're promoting this process this healthy process and what you'll see then is that drop in your sev ones over time and that's really what you're chasing
1: Right. Well, that certainly makes sense. So, if you have more lower-level incidences that you can deal with and respond to quickly, that will prevent you from having more of the catastrophic uh, catastrophic events.
0: That's right. That's right. And and it, it it sounds simple and and sort of you know intuitive. I think when when you when you say it, but it's 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 a tougher thing to chart. I think for a lot of companies, a lot of companies really, if you're only tracking, you know, that last minute, those, those absolute fires your natural reaction is to say well we want the fires to go out faster and that's true you know you do you do want to see your your mtt numbers going down within these sev ones comparable types of incidents but that's not really the high level metric you want to keep an eye on right your high level goal is to have a more resilient organization and a more resilient organization has fewer of these fires major catastrophic fires overall
1: excellent yeah so i know a lot of organizations will turn to automation to kind of help them deal with incidents as they occur, and and perhaps define them, and uh, you know kick off the remediation uh, process. So, so how critical is automation in the in the scheme of things?
0: I think sometimes automation is is a little bit confusing when you think about it with relation to incident response and incident management. Automation is actually often an output of incident response. So when you've encountered a major incident, right? That That is a black swan unexpected event and you've resolved it and then you've you've written up why it happened and how you're going to prevent it from happening again. Very often automation is that output, right? You'll write an automation such that you never have an incident that does that again. Mm-hmm. Conversely, the idea of utilizing, you know, an automated remediation, right? This idea that, that the incident management product can actually solve these problems for you has always sort of been a, a bit more of a... Um, Uh, you know, kind of pie in the sky goal for organizations, it's really difficult to chase, right? Your nature of these things is that they're unexpected. If the automations are in place to remediate them, you never should have had the incident in the first place. So where we actually find more value for companies versus saying, you know, you're going to go find a product that fixes these problems as they occur for you automatically, is you really want your incident management suite to orchestrate your other systems that are already set up to do automated types of remediation, depending on the type of incident. So an example would be if you have a security incident happening and you have a series of scripts that you want to run that you know ought to probably run in these specific cases, but you want a human to make that determination, you really want the human to make that call inside of your uh, incident response system. So it's record kept that say Andy comes in and says, okay, we're going to run these like remediation scripts to see if it helps. And then you want that automation system to reach out. So we're seeing this kind of interesting, some people call them, you know, automated runbooks. Some people call them orchestration, but we're starting to see the incident management suite, you know, Kintaba does this really well with our automation suite, um, become the orchestrator, become the commander across your other tools such that you can work through this kind of like superpowers as humans, right? You want a cyborg when you're responding, you want a human brain, like running automated systems to try and help you with your remediation.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. uh, So I know GitHub recently came out with this uh, co-pilot and they had that announcement. Uh, Is that kind of moving in the direction that you're talking about? Is that where people ultimately might want to try to get
0: yeah, I think I think Copilot's pretty cool because it it stands on the shoulders of a, a a huge amount of public code data, right? That's that's how that's how that was able to be trained, and I think I think when we look at AI, you know, in the incident response space. Um, as we do a better job of publishing postmortems, making data public about what happened to your company and how you remediated it, eventually you can imagine a world where there's a corpus of data as large as GitHub has for code, right? But for incidents and indicators, responses that were taken, remediation so it never happened again, and eventually potentially be able to train an AI, um, the the potential for that uh, is, is probably greater today than it was five or 10 years ago, simply because we're all operating really on the same infrastructure now, right? 10, 20 years ago, every company was running on bare metal. They all had unique and, and, and unusual right. infrastructure setups that weren't really comparable to each other. But today, you know, 99% of us are on AWS, we're on Azure, we're on G Suite, right? We're actually on the same underlying infrastructure. So I have I have a lot of optimism for the AI space going forward, I think we'll eventually start to get there, but it's not doable until there's that that collection of of at least semi-structured data that you can train an AI on, such that it can give you information and say things like, "Oh, wow, this incident you're having looks like something Netflix experienced three years ago. Here's a recommendation of how to how to solve it." Wow. So I'm I'm really optimistic about that, um, but I think we're a little ways off. I don't I don't think we're there yet. I think we're still more in the orchestration. Um, and human interaction world right now than we are in the like kick off an AI to tell you how to solve the problem.
1: Right. Yeah, and the and the interesting thing about uh, AI and ML also is that they can sometimes spot these indicators before a person ever could, right? So then you can get get back again to resolving these things before the severity gets too high.
0: Yep, and I think we'll probably see that first, right? So the observability space where you have the real-time monitoring, right, which feeds into your incident management decision-making. Like, I think we'll start to see AI there uh, sooner um, in ways where the decision about does an incident need to be opened will be able to be more automated because today, uh, another sort of counterintuitive point: most incidents are human-defined, so most major incidents are made as a human decision against a series of alerts that have come in that sort of describe an amorphous situation, right? The uh, we talk about incidents as the two worst incidents are your entire observability panel is red because everything's going horribly, or worse, <laughs> your entire observability panel is green but you're getting customer reports that everything's broken, right? And and we're really in that world, uh, you know, Facebook, Google, these folks, most of their incidents are still human defined. So I think what you're talking about is probably the first thing we're going to start to see. And when you look at products like Cantaba, right, where we, we, we try to deeply integrate with these upstream systems, you know, at a minimum from a webhook standpoint so that they can call and activate an incident, you know, in an automated fashion. Um, and then over time, more so where the, the direction is actually reversed, where the incident management system is monitoring your observability systems and making the decisions itself.
1: Right. So uh, I just want to ask you uh, uh, one final thing in terms of uh, uh, Kintaba's emphasis on people in this whole process. We talked about automation, we've talked about a lot of things, but what about the culture and the people and the roles of people? How do you guys view that?
0: So, so most of the pain of incident response for organizations tends to be people, right? It tends to be who are the right people that need to be involved who are the right people that need to be notified? Like, how are we recording the people who are are contacted and whether or not they have responded and what they're doing? All of these questions create a huge amount of overhead during the, the response process. And, you know, you'll try and do this in Slack. You'll try and do this in email. People pick up phones. They'll turn on conference bridges, right? Um, that, pagers. <laughs> pagers, yeah. I mean, that's, that's a lot of what people spend their time on with incidents. And, and you know, Kintaba is really trying to take all of that burden on for you, right? That's the stuff we really can automate. Automate who should be connected to the incident based on the type of tags that were added to it, help people in the engineering organization know who the customer success responder is, right? Someone outside of their org who needs to be aware of what's happening, right? Because incident responses is a whole company practice, right? When when the servers go down, it's not just the engineering team that's impacted. It's the customer success team. It's the sales team. It's the C-suite. You know, It's your marketing team who's about to launch a page that talks about how great your infrastructure is while it's down, right? All of these people have to come together. So we've always thought about the product and the space as a collaborative uh, product. And, and like a good collaborative product, all of that kind of people management really needs to happen in, in as much of an automated fashion as possible. And that's that's a lot of what Kintaba does, right? Expose those incidents to the rest of the organization through dashboards, connect people in Slack and get them in the right channel automatically, announce the incident on all of the different platforms that your company's connected to. So everyone's aware like that stuff, Mm -hmm. getting that out of the way will just reduce the amount of time you're spending on setup costs before you actually go forward into resolving the problem at hand. Excellent. Excellent.
1: Well, uh, John, certainly an important conversation. I know uh, pretty much every company faces these things and, and uh, you know, putting a little light on it and talking about where this thing uh, could be headed, uh, I think is very valuable. So again, John Egan, uh, co-founder and CEO of Kintaba. Thanks so much for your time today, John. Thanks, David. All right. And to all our listeners, thanks for joining us once again on the What the Dev podcast. I'm Dave Rubenstein, Editor-in-Chief of SD Times. So long for now.